Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Jim Cobray. Well, listen, tonight I'm, I'm just got a message on my heart that I, I thought would be really uh, great for us to take a look at. One of the things that I find over the years of preaching the Word of God is I found that this Bible is here for a reason. And uh, I found that it, every time I come to church, I want to be encouraged about the things of God. I want to find out about God, don't you? And then I want to find out not only about God, I want to find out about me and my relationship with God. Can I improve it? Can I be better? Can I do what God would have me to do? Can I be more pleasing to the Lord? Can I function in the ways that God would have me to function? I, all my life, Deborah and I really care about what God thinks. We want to bless God, we want God to bless us, but really we wanna make him happy, we wanna do this, we wanna learn about who he is. And I find people that come on Wednesday nights really are people who care and strongly care about finding out about more about who God is so they can relate with God in a deeper and more meaningful way. And that's what we find in the scripture. The scripture actually tells us about things to do and not do. And it doesn't come and beat you over the head with them, doesn't come and hit you in the head, doesn't come point fingers at you, make you feel guilty. Uh, you know, it comes and it builds you up, it directs you, it guides you. The Bible says it um, corrects your ways, it keeps you on track, if you will. And the more you get the Word of God on the inside of you, seeing what God expects of you, seeing what God wants from you, my goodness, the better life becomes. You know you're flowing in the Spirit of God every and every day, and you find life becoming a real blessing. Tonight, I want to talk to you about something that the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me about. It's the let us. And let us is a funny little thing. That's where God makes a statement through the writer of Hebrews in this particular case tonight that says, and starts a sentence off, or sometimes within the sentence says, let us do this, let us do that. Let us be this way. Let us function like this. There's a number of let us's throughout the entire Bible. And uh, it's important for us to understand because here's why. Each one of those let us's give us insight and direction on how to function and how to live our life as Christians. Listen to what I'm going to say to you. People who really don't live their life as Christians, even though they call themselves Christians, are probably not real Christians at all. I find that people who hunger for God, who want God, want a deeper, more meaningful relationship with God. You don't have to be the smartest person in the world, but want that deeper, more meaningful relationship with God are people that are real Christians. People that say, well, I'm a Christian, but don't do anything about being a Christian. Uh, quite frankly, I doubt if they're really Christians at all, and I doubt if they're ever going to even make it to heaven. They may think they're going to get to heaven, but they're not going to. It's going to take a responsibility on our part. How do I know that? Because there's a lot of let us's that are written in Scripture. Let us do, let us be, let us see, let us work at this. Let us, let us. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, just Hebrews alone, we find that there are seven let us's. Let us do this. Let us function this way. Let us see this. Let us act this way so that we can be all that God would have us to be. I'm not going to give you all seven tonight. Maybe we can come back to part number two at a later time. But I'm going to give you four. And these four are found in the fourth chapter. All four of them are found in the fourth chapter 
of Hebrews, which is really a fabulously strong chapter. It's a well-written uh, chapter. And the writer of Hebrews, I happen to, just my own personal belief, it's not it's not a fact. No one knows who the writer is, but my personal belief is that Paul, who is all things to all men, know how to write. I believe it was Paul that wrote it. But that's just my own personal belief, my own personal understanding. That doesn't mean anything at all. But here that we see the writer was so deep in what he was saying and so clear and precise in what he was saying, it gives you and it gives me tremendous insight on how to function every day in our life. If you don't know how to function every day in your life, you know what you will do? You'll do what you think or what people tell you or what society says our social systems dictate. You'll do what you know to do and you'll wonder why it is you're not getting blessed, why it is that you're not uh, functioning the way you ought to be functioning and God recognizing and open doors and closing doors for you that need to be opened and closed because you're not functioning like he wants you to function. So each time we learn these things, we learn a little bit more about God, yes, but we also learn, don't we, a little bit more about ourselves, which is really important. So here you are tonight and let's have some fun and let's just take a look at Hebrews, the fourth chapter, and let's take a look at let us. It's so much fun. And I love this as it starts off. First one found in verse number one. But let me read it to you. Verse number one, Hebrews. Therefore, <clears throat> since a promise remains of entering into his rest. This is kind of a, I just want to stop you right there. You know, here he comes along and he says, let us see something. But, but he says, there's a promise that remains about entering into his rest. A lot of times people will read these verses that we're going to read in Hebrews 4 chapter and relate them with the Sabbath. And, and I can see how people would think that it might be the Sabbath. And if you want to believe that, you go ahead and believe it. I'm not here to argue with you or be frustrating to you. I'm not here to belittle anybody or put anybody down. But man, I tell you, I've been studying the Word of God for 50 years and I want you to know something. I do not believe by any means they're talking about the Sabbath rest here. The rest that you and I get as a Christian that's promised to us that we can enter into is the rest of Jesus Christ. He is the rest to the body of Christ. He is the fulfillment. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. When he came, he fulfilled the Sabbath. Doesn't mean we don't need a physical rest. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you don't need a physical rest. You can't keep working, 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 working. You'll burn yourself out. And there's no question about that. You need to take a time off and be with God, a specific time that you just set everything aside, put your phones down, turn everything off and get something from God and spend time with God. And that Sabbath rest, if it happens to be a day, fine. But the rest that we have, have now is not a day. The rest we have now is Jesus. And that's so important for us to see because it goes on and makes this statement. He says, the promise remains of entering into his rest. And then it says something very important. Three words. Here's the first one. Let us fear. And I want you to write the word and circle it in your Bible, the word fear. So important because you're never going to get anything done until you get to a place in your walk where you fear God. And we've taught you over the years that fear is a two-sided coin. 
You know, one side of fear is, is an awe of who God is. I respect him. I'm in awe. I'm, I, I'm absolutely, you know, knocked over in love with how great he is and the majesty of how wonderful he is. And I so deeply appreciate the love that he has for all of us. The other side of the coin of that is not just that he loves us, but you better not mess with him. Because he is the one that he can not only kill you, the Bible says, but he can send you to hell. And he is not one to trifle with. And a lot of times people who call themselves Christians, they play games with God. They play games with his mercy. They play games with his grace. They play games with his compassion. It doesn't seem like they've ever really gotten serious. They, you know, they love the love part of God, that God loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son. And they love the love part, but when it comes to the fear part, they don't want to hear it, that God's a God you don't mess with. God's a God that, listen, if you mess with him too long, he's going to pull the plug and you're going to be in a place you don't want to be in. And he's one who is capable of doing that. And we need to be a people that are in awe of who God is, I agree. But not only in awe of who God is, we need to be fearful that we are in the right spot with God because I don't want to be in the wrong spot. I want to be in the right spot because God is not one to mess with. Somebody ought to say amen with me. It's so important for us to have a fear of who God is, not just respect, but also, man, don't mess with God. And if you've been messing with God, it won't be very long before you'll be stop messing with God and you're going to find yourself in big, deep trouble. So tonight is a great night for some of you to stop messing with God, learn the truth, and then find out what the future has for you, which is the blessings of God if you'll just fear the Lord. And I found out as a young man that I feared God, and I feared God to the place where I didn't want to mess with God. So therefore, I got to church. I learned what it said. I learned what God cared about. I learned what he wanted from me. I tried with the very best of my ability to live up to that and to act that way and to live that kind of a life. Why? Because I feared God. I couldn't learn anything until I started to fear God. I remember as a young man playing professional baseball, coming home in the wintertime in uh, playing professional baseball, I took a class. There was a college right down the street from where I lived. I lived up in the hills in West Los Angeles. And I, I, uh, there was a college there, a little college. Well, it was pretty big. And it's called UCLA. And I took, a, I took a class there at night, and I was just petrified. Man, I went into this class. It took me like 30 minutes to find the building. Then it took me another 30 minutes to find the class. Got in the class. There's all these very sophisticated educational people. And this professor comes in and he's teaching this class. And here I am, you know, just a ball player, just a, a guy that, you know, wasn't great as far as being a studier or a studious person in those days. And I realized something. I'm in fear of falling behind of what this class is doing and going. And because I was in fear, I started learning and I started getting in. And everything the guy said, I made a note of. And I made more notes of it. And let me tell you something. The reason I got anything out of that class is because, not because he was a great teacher, but I had a fear. I had a respect. I had a reverence on the inside of me. Don't mess with God. In fact, don't mess. In this particular case, I didn't know God. So don't mess with a professor who's going to teach you something. 
Don't mess with the students who are going to go past you like you're standing still if you don't study hard. And so that it did, I couldn't even learn. You can't even learn. None of us can learn anything unless we start to fear God. It's when you start to fear God that your life changes. The Bible makes it very clear. Listen to these words, if you will, out of Proverbs. And it's fascinating because in Proverbs, it says this in verse number nine, the 10th chapter, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, when I feared God, that's when I started to get the wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is when you start to get wisdom. You don't get wisdom until you start to fear the Lord. Why? Because the wisdom you need comes from the Lord. That's the wisdom. There's wisdom of the world. You can always get that. You can go to any educational place to get that. But I didn't want the wisdom of the world. I want the wisdom of God. And he makes it very clear that the beginning of that wisdom starts when I started to fear God, when I started to place an awe on him and I started to respect him and I started to not let my days go by and be just a sluggard doing nothing for God, but to get in and get something from God. So the first thing he says, let us fear, he comes back. Notice what it says, go back if you will. Oh, in fact, leave that back up there. Let's just finish that verse because it's kind of neat. Proverbs 9 10, it says, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I have to fear God to get the knowledge so that I can get the understanding on how life works. Is that, is that cool? That verse like says everything. I mean, you want to know what life is all about. You want to know why it works. You want to know why people fight. You want to know why people have egos. You want to know why people kill each other, why there's great wars, why there isn't wars. You want to know how things work, don't work, how the society is set up, how the social system is set up on the world. What is the plan of the world? Where's the world come from and where's it going? How it works, that's called understanding. All of that comes when you understand who God is. And you don't understand who God is until you have a fear that gives you the wisdom to understand who God is. Is anybody listening? And it all starts with fear. It's so powerful. Go, in, in Psalms 25, it says this. Uh, it says this in Psalms 25. Go ahead, pop it up. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Who is he? Watch this. Him shall he teach. Notice the capital H on the word he. Him, speaking of that guy that fears the Lord, shall he, God, teach in the way he chooses. And you'll never be taught anything. You'll never ever learn anything till you come to a place where you're saying, man, I know I'm tired. I want to stay home. I want to, I just want to lay down. I've worked all day. My boss has been on me, man. I'll tell you what, this has been one of those days from the pit. And I, 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 I just, but, and then all of a sudden God rises up and says, come on, I got something more for you. And you get up on a Wednesday night and you come to church and all of a sudden, guess what, man, you're going to start getting the wisdom of God, the understanding about how life works. You're going to put it to work and be blessed in your life. Come on, somebody. The first thing he says, let us fear. Go back, if you will, to verse number one. And I'm going to read verse number one and verse number two because it's kind of interesting. And then we'll go to the next one. It says this in verse number one. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, the rest is Jesus. Is that not true that in Jesus you have great rest? Jesus says, all you that labor and heavy laden, come on to me and I will give you rest. I mean, the source of rest is not a day. 
The source of rest is in a relationship with Jesus where you can cast whatever care that's on you onto him and all of a sudden you take a deep breath because it's off of you and on him and you know when it's on him it's going to work. Come on somebody. And that's real rest. Frustrated about people, frustrated about life, frustrated about the freeway, frustrated about your checks not going anywhere, frustrated about not paying your bills, not getting a raise, frustrated about things in your family that aren't working right. All those kind of things come up. There's always going to be something that's going to try to get you out of the rest. All you have to do, man, is turn the page onto Jesus, and all of a sudden you're in the rest. So here he comes along. Now he comes along, verse number two, it's kind of fascinating about these people because they failed, watch this, but that's why he's making the encouragement to let us fear. And he comes along in, 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 in verse number two, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. These are all those that didn't get into the promised land. They didn't get to where they needed to be with God. But I liked what it says in verse number two. Indeed, the gospel was preached to all of us, but not only to us, but to all of those that failed. And then he comes along and he makes this statement. Listen to this. But the word in which they heard didn't profit them. Have you ever seen people sit in church and all of a sudden, man, they're brain dead? They're just putting in time with God. Don't think for a moment. God doesn't know where you're at. When you're thinking of something else other than God, when you're trying to get something from God, don't think for a moment he's stupid. He says, oh, they went to church. I, guess what? They really care. He knows where you're at. He knows your thinking. He knows your heart. He knows where you're at all the time. And that's why, man, I'm afraid to mess with God. I find my mind starting to wander. I get it back to God. This is a time for God. And he makes this, he says, it was, it was preached to them, but the word which they heard, they didn't profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith and those that heard it. And all of a sudden, what's faith? Faith takes me from a problem into my rest. Let me say that again. <laughs> Try to think about that. Faith takes me from a problem into my rest. And one more time, is that okay? Faith takes me from my problem into my rest. I mean, if you never heard anything tonight, you ought to hear that. Faith takes me from my problem into my rest. My problem is I don't know how I'm going to make it. My problem is nobody likes me. And my problem is everybody's hurt me. My problem is I'm down. I'm out. I'm discouraged. I failed in the past. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know who's going to be there. But guess what? Faith takes me out of my problem into my rest. Boy, that's exciting. Because it, what they heard wasn't mixed with faith that takes them into the rest. And when you're in the rest... God can work on your behalf. Yeah. But if you're still trying to get it solved yourself, and your mind is wandering, and you're frustrated trying to figure out how you're going to figure out life, guess what? God just throws up his hands. You're not in rest. The proof of faith is rest. Yeah. One more time. Let me say it again. Get it. The proof of faith is rest. The proof of faith is not when you get the problem solved. The proof of faith is when you are in rest. 
At that moment, your problem is solved. It's going to just come to pass. Doesn't matter when it does, it's already done. Is anybody listening to me? So he starts off with the most important statement in verse number four about a group of people who failed. And he says, number one, let us fear. I love that. Number two, I love this one. Number two, let us be diligent. One translation, I think it's the old King James says, let us labor for diligence or let us labor. Let's take a look at that, if you will. In fact, let's take you down to Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse number 11. It says, let us therefore be diligent to enter into the rest. I have to work. I have to labor. I have to not just let it happen. It isn't going to happen. I have to push myself into rest. Are, are you following me? So here's the sports. Remember, what's rest? Jesus. Who's rest? Jesus. What's the answer to your problem? Jesus. When you get into rest, he gets to work, gets it done. Why? Because now your faith's on him to get the work done. You don't have to do it yourself. So stop it. Stop calculating everything. Stop trying to put it all together. Of course you manage things. Of course you keep track of things. Of course you need to be on top of things. But guess what? He's the one that fulfills everything. And I have to work diligently to be and to enter in to the rest of who Jesus is. I have to one try, anybody got an old King James? I think it says you have to labor. Does it use the word labor? Anybody got an old King James? Okay, labor, right? Labor, anybody else on this side got, see, there's another one, old King James, labor. I have to work at becoming diligent to fight every day for my rest. My rest is coming from my Jesus. Why? Because all hell is gonna break out against you. Have you ever noticed as soon as you get into rest, here comes more trash? Huh? Here comes the notice. Here comes the pink notice. Here comes, nowadays, you can pay the bill, they'll still send you a pink notice. It's like so frustrating. I'm on the phone the other day with, uh, I don't remember if it was Fios or if it was Sirius Radio, one of the two. But I'm telling you something, I almost lost my salvation. I mean, you ever been on the phone with these people? Uh, any moment will be, you're not, you're not. You're not. So I finally got off the phone. And he said, leave us your name and number. We'll call you back. You're on the waiting list. You won't lose it. 19 minutes. I gave him my name and number. They said, okay, we're going to call you back. 18 minutes. I looked at my watch. Two hours later, they called me. I'm going to bed. I said, wait a minute. You call me. I'm going to bed. I mean, this is ridiculous. I'm not where I'm supposed to be to get you the information. Now I'm in bed. They call me. I said, listen, I can't. And all of a sudden I heard this click. Now remember, I've been waiting for hours. This is like my 10th call. I am losing it. Has anybody ever lost it? Uh, you know, I really don't think, you've got to understand something. I think people that are work for Fios and, and Verizon, and, and I'm probably going to get sued over this, and uh, Sirius Radio, I, I think they're instruments. <laughs> because they just do nothing but rob your rest. I mean, it's like, and then they, they push you to the brink of, well, has anybody ever gotten off the phone? Here's what I do. I get off the phone and I have to repent. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You have to repent because the, where'd those high school words come from? The person hung up on me after five hours and 15 times of trying to get through. 
Why that's it? Oh God, I'm so sorry. We all have flesh problems. I think mine might be a little more than yours. That's why he let me be pastor. I need him more than you. But nevertheless, the point being is this, I have to labor to get into my rest. And I'm, 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 I should have called them back today, but I use the excuse I'm ministering tonight and I don't want to be in a bad attitude when I minister, so I'll call them back on Thursday. See, I have to fight. I, let us. I, don't you love this writer of this text? He didn't say, you do it. He said, let us. He has to do it too. The guy that's under the inspiration of God to write the eternal word of God says, I'm here with you. Let us fight to stay in the rest, our Jesus. So important, because rest proves faith, and faith gets the job done. Is anybody listening? So good. So Come on. This fourth chapter even gets better. That's, that's just the second one. Here's the third one. The third one, number three. Let us hold fast to what we believe. Uh, just write that down because it's really good for us to see. Let us hold fast. Let us once again do something. We need to be diligent. Yes, we need to be in fear. But let us hold fast to what we believe. Verse number 14, Hebrews 4.14. See and then, it says, that we have a great high priest. Boy, do we not. His name is Jesus. And I love what it says, who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us, I mean, here's Jesus came, he did what he said, raised from the dead, red hand of the Father. He is there in making intercession for us. When you have a problem, I don't have to stand up and face the problem. He stands up according to the scripture and he faces the problem for you. Oh my goodness sakes alive. And he comes along and says, let us hold fast to our confession. What's our confession? He's Lord. He's mighty. He's God. He's eternal. He's the one that opens the blind eyes. And he's the one that sets them free. He's a miracle working, water walking, healer of them all. Oh my goodness. He's our, that's our confession. And there's nothing impossible for him, for us that believes. Come on, is that not a confession for all of us? Come on. See, I have to not only labor to stay in this faith, but I have to, listen to this, I have to labor to hold on to my confession, the things that I believe. Because every day, it's going to rob you. If you're not strong at the end of your life, you will question whether there's a God. The greatest Christians that ever walked on this planet didn't have everything they ever thought of go good for them. They were just like you. And their faith was in contention on a constant basis. Because we're in the pulpit area, you don't think we have battles with, with our faith? Our faith is being contended with every single day. We have to fight, we have to labor to hold on and fear God so much that we enter his rest, we have to fight to enter his rest and fight to keep our confession going. Without it, man, all of us are gonna fail. And that's what this is all about. You're coming to the house of God like this and you'll learn 
that I'm not alone in this battle. Sometimes I feel like I'm all alone and sometimes I feel like nobody understands and I'm sure others don't have the problems I have. We all have the problems you have. Are you kidding? The one thing you can find out about when you come into Christianity, we all are under attack of the devil. We all are being buffeted in our faith. We all are being challenged every day by a world that says exactly the opposite than what we are believing God for. And we have to labor to stay in there. We have to believe God in great faith. We have to be a person that is going to be full of that fear of God and respect of God and awe of who God is and he can do what he needs to do. And then we have to fight for our salvation and fight for our beliefs. That's what this is all about. Which brings us to number four, let us. And I love this one. Let us come boldly to God. If I can read to you, we left off in 14, but let me take you to 15 and 16 and let me explain it to you quickly. It says this. For we do not have a high priest. Uh, let me say it again. Stop, look back up at me. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us. We don't have a high priest that's out of touch. We have a high priest that's in touch. There isn't anything that you're going through, have gone through, any pressures you've ever experienced, any feelings, any, uh, if you will, any kind of down that you've ever had that Jesus hasn't felt. That's what this is all about. We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. We all have weaknesses. We're all in this together. I like what Pastor Dan said last week. He's not anymore anointed to, 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 he's anointed to preach the gospel, but he's not anymore anointed to keep it than you are. And people that get in front of you in a pulpit area that act like they got all the goods, hey, they're just full of crap. Because let me tell you, that ain't the way it is. They don't have all the goods. Jesus got all the goods. And you got to fight to stay in Jesus. So many times when people act that way, like they're all got it all together. Yeah, you got it all together, all right, till you're alone and you bawl like a baby before the Lord. Here's how it works. High priest cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are. But man, he made it without sin. And if he can make it, you can make it, because it's the same Holy Ghost in you when you got saved as the Holy Ghost in him. Come on, somebody. But verse 16 gives us number four. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Let us, I mean, because of who you are, because of the blood that washed you clean, because you're one who's fighting for your faith and entering into the rest, you're the one who reverences him and respects him and also fears him on the other side. 
You're the one that is there for him and he is there for you and you're chasing him and you're, he's chasing you. Then he comes into this position and he says, we can boldly approach the throne of grace. We don't come there whimpering like a bunch of snotty little kids. We come there saying, God, yes, I have let you down. I have made mistakes. I am weak in my flesh, but I know that you're God Almighty. You have grace for me and I need your grace to get through this time. And man, I tell you, it makes all the difference in the need. Four let us's. Number one, let us fear. Without fearing God, you'll never understand God. Without fearing God, you'll never really know God. You'll just be someone calling yourself a Christian until you face God someday. And he'll say, I know you not. And that'll be the worst thing you ever hear in your life. Let us fear God. Number two. Let us be diligent to labor, to stay in our faith, our love, and our rest, our Jesus. Number three, let us hold fast to what we believe. We believe something. And number four, let us come boldly to our God. Don't come crawling, begging, snotting, it doesn't work. Who you are in Christ Jesus means a lot to God. Come to him and say, God, but be honest with him. Here I am. I've made mistakes. I don't know how to make it. I don't know how to get through. I don't know how to do this. But show me how. And I love you, God, and I respect you, God, and I fear you, God, and I need you, God, and I'm diligently seeking you. And watch God if he doesn't come through for you. Four let us's. There's seven of them in Hebrews. But four of them I find in one chapter, and they are good ones. Is anybody getting anything from God tonight? Come on, give the Lord a great big praise. Woo! <laughs> Every day of my life, I have to fight to stay in the rest. Every day. Every moment to stay in my faith, to stay in my Jesus. Every day to stay in faith in what I believe. Every day I have to boldly come to the throne of grace and seek for that grace to help me get through the day. Every day. Is there ever an end? You bet. Bye. When I'm out of here, there's an end. But until that time, I'm going to keep fighting the good fight of faith. How about you? Come on, give the Lord a great big praise if you got something from God. Aren't you glad you came to church tonight? Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.